Greetings on this good day that the Lord has made. I'm Joel Van Hoogen, and this is the Bread of Life. Our program is presented by the International Disciple Making Ministry Church Partnership Evangelism. I encourage you to learn more about the amazing work that we're doing all around the world. You can do so by going to traincpe.org, traincpe.org. Or you can follow all the links from our webpage, breadoflifeboise.org. There you can also learn about our church fellowship in Boise, the Bread of Life. And it's from that fellowship that we share with you now, God's Word. We're with the Lord Jesus on his walk with two disciples on the day that he rose from the grave. You can read about it in Luke chapter 24. They will not recognize him at first, but their experience reveals the same experience of relationship that is available to all of us who decide today to walk with the Lord Jesus. That's what he provided at the cross place where it was possible for him to come into our sinful and decaying hearts and to make them clean and wash them and live and abide within us and be with us forever. And that relationship begins now. Because he came to earth and because he died and because he rose, because he now lives, we can live with him, clean and forgiven. He's present right now to live with us, to live in us, and to live from us his glory and his honor. He's come so that you can know him now. And you can live with him today. Here's the second thing I want you to see here. Jesus will live with you as the same person that he was when he walked in Judea with those disciples so many years ago. He's the same person. You get a young gal that will go off to college. She misses her family, and so she begins to tell her roommate all about her home and what it's like. She'll tell them about her mother and how her mother is just this good and, and great spirit and a welcoming person and wonderful in hospitality and just loves all her friends and how her mother's such a great cook. And she'll tell about her dad and how her dad is silly and serious at the same time. And every time I show up with my friends, if they show any interest, my dad will open up and show you all the treasures and the things that he's excited about. She'll tell them about just what the home looks like. And she's priming him because spring break is coming and she's going to take her roommate to go back to her house and now the roommate thinks she knows exactly what it's going to be like she has in her mind a mental image of what that home is going to be like and what those parents are going to be like and when she gets to that house her friend's home it doesn't disappoint the house is just as she imagined it because she's heard it so many times and the mother and the father are just like she was told they're just like she'd expected because she'd been told about it and the daughter feels so good about this because The daughter feels the victory of having accurately portrayed what her family was like and what that experience was going to be like. Have you ever had that before? Someone is telling about someone you've got to meet. They're so wonderful. Listen, sometimes it's a bit of a disappointment. But other times you think, wow, they are pretty great. Those were wonderful people. That was a good experience. These two men are walking on the way to Emmaus, and they describe to Christ himself what Christ was like. A prophet, mighty in word and deed, and in the sight of God and all the people. And and as they began to tell this stranger what Jesus Christ was like and give their description of him, their minds would have run through the past three or four years in which they had been with him. They could have recalled and maybe reported, because maybe the conversation was a little bit longer than what's recorded here in our Bibles, because they were walking a bit of ways here. They recalled how they walked with them and how their footsteps journeyed along with them throughout the Sea of Galilee and over the hills of Judea and throughout 
the trails and pathways of the nation of Israel. And they would remember and recount his healing touch upon their lives and the lives of others. They would have referred to his power to deliver people who were bound in unbeatable patterns of behavior that they just couldn't seem to beat. He could tell how he worked to set people free from years of uncleanness and defilement of mind and soul. And they could also talk of how he tenderly took little children upon his knee and how he is willing to touch those who have been rejected by their society. They could also talk about how he held sway over the crowds with the authority and clarity of his word as it echoed over the temple precincts and from hillsides. They would also tell him of his friendship and how he was a friend to sinners and how he poured out his reproaches upon those who were smugly self-righteous. They would remember at the same time his accessibility to them his ability to read them and speak to their hearts and his love for them as they were, even as they were becoming something else because they were with him. They can remember all those things. That's how Jesus was in their minds. If you've ever wondered what God would be like if he lived among us as a man, you should know you have your answer in Jesus Christ. When Christ walked on the earth those 33 years or so, He walked among us, men and women, having a glory and a magnificence and the magnificence of his deity veiled off from sight. He came in human flesh and he lived his life as a human being, but as a a perfect, sinless human being. The Lord Jesus kept the law perfectly because the law was modeled upon his own moral being as God. The Lord Jesus fed the hungry because the Lord Jesus had, as the great providential provider, been providing for them all along. The Lord Jesus loved those who were for him because he had always loved them, because God is love. And as the Lord Jesus walked on the earth, and we have a description of him in the Gospels of Matthew and Mark and Luke and John, we have descriptions of just what he is like when he is making known to us what God is like and how we encounter him. And this gives you something to anticipate if you should meet him, if you've not met him yet. If you want to ask what is it like to live life with Jesus Christ, then read the Gospels, and you'll find out. And then turn your life over to him, and believe on him, and receive him, and you'll find out for yourself. He is just what he was then. He's just as advertised, just as presented. He's just that one still today. Just as they were describing, he was and would be and reveals himself to be to them in that moment. When you meet him, you'll know that you're with the greatest person history has ever known. You'll discover that he has also never gone out of history. If you repent of your sins and see what he's done for you at the cross, you give place for him to rule in your heart and your life. You'll begin living with him today. And then you'll pick up your Bible and you'll begin to read the accounts of his life and the things that he did while he walked upon the earth. And as you're reading them, you'll be able to say, oh yes, this this is just what he's like. This is just what I'm discovering. This is just what he's making known to me. And he won't be a stranger locked away in some story in the past. (laughs) It'll just be another account of the one you're coming to know and discover. You'll know that he's the sinless one who is a friend of sinners still. And he's your friend. You'll know him as the one who feeds the hungry and has compassion on the lonely because he feeds you and he has compassion upon you. You'll know him as the one who 
said, I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you, and he keeps his promise to you every day. You'll know his indignation against your willful disobedience and pride. You'll know his patience and willingness to restore you to himself as you call upon him. You'll know him in a way just as these two along the road to Emmaus knew him, as one who is powerful in word and deed. The true Christian who has Christ living in them is able to read these accounts of the Gospels and read them not merely as a record of days in the past, but as a testament to the character of their Lord in the present, just as they've discovered him to be. The Christian is able to read about Jesus and see and say, this is, this is the one who lives in me. This is the one who lives with me. This is the one whom I walk with. He doesn't disappoint. Jesus Christ is just as advertised and just as you may have been told. But there will be surprises. There are going to be surprises when you meet him, when you truly meet with him and you begin to walk with him. As you begin to walk with him and talk with him and know him in this real and genuine and personal and living way, he'll surprise you. Jesus Christ will be the one that you'd heard of and the one that's revealed in Scripture and the one that these, even these two men on the way to Emmaus speak of, but he'll also be something more, something mysterious and wonderfully more for you to know and to comprehend. Remember, on this day, they didn't recognize him. They didn't recognize him. They walked along the way and their eyes were blinded or hid from who was before them. And, and if you read the accounts of the resurrection, you'll see that on a number of occasions, there was something unrecognizable, something that was so wonderful about them that it filled those who were encountering the risen Lord with expressions of spontaneous worship and then at the same time, a sense of wonder and even doubt, doubt at the mystery that was before them. In Mark chapter 16, verse 9, we're told that the very first person that the Lord Jesus appears to is Mary Magdalene. In John chapter 20, verse 14, we're told that she did not know that it was Jesus until he spoke her name to her, until he said her name. Luke tells us that after this, the Lord Jesus will go and appear before all the disciples in one place, and they're startled, and they're frightened, and they thought they saw a spirit. And he invited them to come and see his wounds. And then Luke says in 24, 41, while they were still disbelieving for joy and were marveling, he said to them, do you have anything to eat? Could you, could you feed me? It was him and he was before them. For 40 days after his resurrection, he met and revealed himself to many individuals. 40 days after his resurrection and before his ascension, he met with his disciples off and on. He wasn't always with them. He wasn't with them at all times. If he was with them in one place, and then you'd see that he wasn't with them, and maybe he was with somebody else in some other place that's not recorded for us. We know that he went from there, and he, for example, he visited his brother James, his half-brother James. So he's making himself known to different individuals. The interesting thing is as you study this and read this, when he meets with them, you discover that as he reveals himself to them, he, he reveals himself in certain ways in which he is just the Lord that they had known. But at the same time, there's this wonder of who he is. After the disciples met with the Lord Jesus on that resurrection day in Jerusalem, we're told that at some point in time, they made their way down to the Sea of Galilee and they began fishing again, which is what they did before they began following the Lord Jesus. And the account is given in John chapter 21 that as they were out fishing all night without any success, that the Lord Jesus appeared in the morning along the shore and the Lord Jesus suggested that they throw in their nets one more time. Now, they didn't recognize it was the Lord Jesus. 
Something about the person was commanding them, though, because they put their nets in again, and their nets were filled with fish. Now, that's not the first time that happened. Before he called them the very first time to be his disciples, they had encountered the exact same experience. They had been fishing all night without success, and the Lord Jesus had told them to throw their nets in one more time, and it was filled with fish. The same thing. And at that moment, they knew it was the Lord Jesus. John turned to Peter and said, it's the Lord. And Peter jumped into the water and swam to shore. And when he got there, he, he found that the Lord had already fished at the shoreline and a little fire, and he was cooking it for them. And then they all arrived to be in his presence. Verse 12 says this, as they were feeding and eating with him. In John chapter 21. Now none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. But did you get that idea there? None of them dared ask because something different was here, something strange. Here he was, everything and doing everything he had done in the past, and yet there was something more, something marvelous, something wonderful, something they'd not encountered before. Filled them with a sense of mystery and awe. Matthew tells us, by the way, at the moment that the Lord Jesus commissioned his disciples, he had told them to go to a certain place. I think it was the exact same mountain where he appointed them to be his disciples. He told them to go back to that place, and there he would reveal himself to them. I also believe that this is probably the location where, as we're told by Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, that 500 of the brethren gathered all once to see the risen Lord Jesus. And there in that place, the Lord Jesus commended them to go and proclaim his good news and his resurrection to all the world. As they arrived in that place, we're told that the Lord Jesus appeared before them. It's like he came out of the invisible space into the presence. He didn't walk up on the hill with them. He just all of a sudden appeared to them. And when he appeared to them, Matthew 28, 17 said, This has been the Bread of Life, a ministry of the Bread of Life Fellowship in Boise, Idaho, and Church Partnership Evangelism. To learn more, go to breadoflifeboise.org. Until the next time, God bless you.